Hello, today we are going over the doctrine of Christ, or high priest, and the key verse for this is Hebrews 4.14, which says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. The author writes, as Messiah, Jesus fully and perfectly embodied the three main ministry roles that existed in ancient Israel, prophet, priest, and king. The book of Hebrews highlights in a special way Christ's priestly role and identifies him as our great high priest, the one to whom all priests ultimately point. A key role of a priest is to mediate between God and people. Jesus does this perfectly because he is both human and divine. And as human, Jesus is able to sympathize with us in our humanity in every way. However, he was without sin. He faced everyday temptations just as we do, yet he did not give in, not even once. As a result, he is able to provide a unique grace that meets us in our particular moments of need, including the challenges and temptations we face at work. Knowing we have a high priest who intercedes for us allows us to fulfill our priestly role by advocating on behalf of and interceding for others. The thought of Jesus as a sympathizing high priest is often applied to those who suffer extreme trials, but it has a much broader and deeper application, as Andrew Murray argues in his book, The Holiest of All. Murray says that Jesus Jesus's ability to sympathize with us is a reference to the temptation which meets the soul and the desire to live holy for God. That's what Jesus encountered in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was tempted to refuse the Father's will, and that was what caused his deepest suffering. So intense was his suffering that he said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Matthew twenty six thirty eight, and he cried out, "If it is possible, may this cup be taken from me." Matthew twenty six thirty nine, and on the cross exclaimed, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" Matthew twenty seven forty six. He too had to trust God in the dark. He too, in the hour of death, had to let go his spirit and commit it in the darkness of death into God's keeping. And this gives us incredible hope, Murray explains. When a man feels utterly helpless and in despair, Jesus can sympathize with him. He was tempted in all things like we are. If we would but rest in the assurance that he understands it all, that he fills for us with a sympathy in which the infinite love of God and the tenderness of a fellow sufferer are combined, is able to... Uh, succor him, we should soon reach the rest of God. Trusting Jesus would bring us into it. When we feel overwhelmed by our circumstances, we are wise to remember that Jesus has gone before us, enduring temptation and overcoming it so that we may overcome temptation in our dark hour. He is seated at the right hand of God, interceding for us, and by his Spirit, he gives us power to live victoriously in him. As a frail, short-sighted humans, 
we easily forget that Christ is our advocate and high priest. It is an amazing thought that Jesus is next to the Father interceding for us. He watches over our work, and he gives us grace and mercy in particular moments throughout the day. Yet many of us struggle to live holy to God, especially at work. We often get bogged down by the weighty circumstances, tempted to have a poor attitude and to mistreat others. And we lose hope when we assume that circumstances won't improve. Yet the truth of the gospel is that there is one who helps us in times of need, both great and small. He can sympathize with us because he embraced all aspects of humanity, even our brokenness. He endured the mundane, frustration, and temptation. And as our victorious Lord and great high priest, he is ready to mediate to us God's grace, mercy, and strength whenever and wherever we need it. Now here's the portion where it's about someone's daily life at work, and it's from a family lawyer. It says, this morning, I went to one of my least favorite places, family court. I was there to argue a motion on behalf of my client who, because of a lifetime of little opportunity, poor choices, and a broken justice system, was wrongfully saddled with a money judgment of over $40,000. He has no high school degree, works part-time as a janitor, and barely breaks the poverty line. Although he's looking for full-time work and better paying work and studying for his GED, he has a criminal record and is a minority, which limit or limits, sorry, which limit his chances of finding that fabled job. Going into court, I was apprehensive. The law is on my client's side, but the judge was not. Our past two appearances involving the judge yelling a lot. I don't like getting yelled at, but I don't mind it in this context. I'm my client's advocate. It's my job to bear the brunt of the judge's wrath for him and to present his case, the law, no matter how much I am berated. As soon or as confident as I was in the law, I was less confident in my long-term ability to stand up for justice in this broken system. I direct a small Christian legal services organization. We are volunteer attorneys who provide free legal advice and counsel to our city's most undeserved population from homeless men in recovery to undocumented immigrants. We pray for and with our clients, not for others to see, but to acknowledge the brokenness of our world and our need for Christ and his restoring power. In court, we waited and waited. As the hours passed, I witnessed the broken justice system and the broken family sphere, court officers yelling, children crying, parents screaming. A courthouse is no place for children, but these little ones seemed accustomed to it, sadly. Though it would be unjust for us to lose, I won't be surprised if we do. I'm not a cynic, but a practitioner who sees too much injustice. Participating in this system and observing my low-income fellow litigants 
almost none of whom have access to free counsel in civil matters, no matter how crucial their need. I despair of a current condition. I can preserve in my work, though, because I know there is a counselor, my great compassionate high priest, interceding on my behalf. And this priest will one day bring final judgment to the earth in all spheres, in family, law, and more. Knowing his redemptive plan that his that he lives to intercede for me gives me the enduring hope and strength that I need to continue advocating for justice in a broken world. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for what the author has written. I know uh, I definitely have fallen into the temptations at work and other places of um, not seeing that the situation was going to get better, of being critical, of um, not trusting that it's going to work out or not trusting that you're involved in the process. Because I often, as our author wrote, short-sighted humans easily forget that you, Christ, are our advocate and high priest. I ask that you help each of us to remember this fact, to remember this truth, that you are our high priest, that the Bible says that you are forever interceding for us. I mean, my brain can't wrap around forever. Sometimes I think I can, but then when I start to think about it, it really can't, and it freaks me out. (laughs) So I try not to think about it too much, but it's not just while we're here on earth. It's forever interceding for us. You have desires and wills for us. Uh, Father, your word says that you've written... um, like out our lives in the heavenly scrolls. And then Jesus, it says you are forever interceding for us. I ask that you help each of us to remember these things, to come before you in confidence and in agreement with what you've written in our heavenly scrolls, Father, and what you are interceding for us, Jesus, that we are able to remember not just when we're in prayer, but also why we're out at work or with our family or with uh, people that are aggravating us at work or at the store or in traffic. Help us to just in those moments when it's really tough, when we're really wanting to give in to our flesh, our self, and do that which is not, pleasing to you, that which is not encouraging or uplifting um, or showing love or having hope or faith, that you, Holy Spirit, kind of give us that nudge to remind us that you, Jesus, are our high priest, that you are interceding for us. And the Bible says that um, the Father does not deny you, Jesus, that he gives whatever you ask. And so we just need to ask you. And that if we ask in your name, we will receive it because of you. So help us, Father, to remember that you are high priest. 
uh, that you, Jesus, are high priest. Help us, Father, to remember that you give what Jesus is interceding and that we just need to remember it, to remember it to the point to where it becomes a belief in our inner selves, where we have faith, not where we just say, yeah, I, I read the Bible and I see that it it says that, so I believe it's true, but to have it written so deep in our hearts, it truly is our belief, that there is no false belief there, that we say we believe you are our high priest and you intercede for us, but then our actions do differently. Um, show us those false beliefs we have. Show us those areas where we're not trusting you, Jesus, as our high priest, um, Holy Spirit, and help us to rewrite that, to um, renew our minds, as you say in Romans, so that we are not conformed to the patterns of this world, but are able to live as uh, sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you, Jesus, who is our high priest. So we thank you for all this. We thank you for your interceding. We thank you, Father, for being God and having the foresight and writing that in our heavenly scrolls. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for prompting us and for showing us in the ways where we can be comforted in you and have that grace and and help us receive that grace to be more like you, Jesus. Help us to live by your example and to show your love to others. We ask all this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Hope you all have a great week.